Welcome to The Flight Deck, a leading-edge podcast with United Pilots. I'm Dave Allen. With me today, we have Garth Thompson, the new MEC Master Chair, and Phil Otis, the Negotiating Committee Chairman. Welcome, guys. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Garth, you were just elected 19-0 with a unanimous vote by the MEC to serve as the United MEC Master Chair. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been at United 30 years. I was born and raised in Colorado, still live in northern Colorado. I'm currently an Airbus captain in Denver, and I've flown out of Denver for most of my 30 years. I read your first com to the pilot group, and in it you mentioned that you left Alpha Work for 10 years. Why did you leave Alpha Work? I served a term on the MEC and went immediately into committee work, uh, several different committees, in fact, regarding scope, grievance, merger, strike, national affairs. And I did several years in a row of some form of ALPA work or another. And I've never felt that ALPA work is a career in and of itself. The career is what we represent. And after 17 or so years, I decided that it, it was enough for me. It was time for me to step away and let others do the work. So in that vein, you're back in a full-time ALPA position after that 10 years. Uh, what made you want to come back? It wasn't something I thought I'd ever do again, especially as time went on. Uh, but over the years, I've just sensed that our, our union was growing a bit disconnected from the membership. And it bothered me. And I feel that the last tentative agreement was just a symptom of, of several years of a disconnect that needed to be rectified. And I had friends reach out to me and encourage me, but I don't even think it needed that. I was compelled to come back and try to have a, or be a part of a mindset reset, if you will. Phil, you also stepped away from some Alpha work for a while and from negotiating especially. And now you came back to the negotiating committee um, after the last tentative agreement. What made you want to kind of come back and stick your neck into the fray again? Maybe not as long as Garth, not as many years. Yeah, I stepped away a few years ago and uh, honestly was really enjoying flying the line. So why would I ever come back and, uh, and, and uh, do this uh, very difficult work again, right? Uh, it is challenging work. That carries its own reward, but also seeing the ability to enhance that connection with the pilot group to provide what I could for my experience and having worked the role before, those types of goals are what motivate me to do the do the work. Uh, and I think um, um, I think it's important work, and I think that uh, enhancing that connection with our pilot group will make for a better TA, quite frankly. I can appreciate that. So, Garth, uh, you had your first real MEC meeting as master chair a couple weeks ago. Can you give us some insight as to how that meeting went? Yeah, I think this meeting was a little more difficult to facilitate as a, an MEC chair than the normal, uh, regular MEC meeting. Normally, you have committee reports, officers' reports, and it's very structured. And you have agenda items that come out of the various councils to debate and vote on. This one was more, uh, I guess, freeform, if you will. It was all dedicated to contract negotiations. So first, the negotiating committee walked us through the Delta tentative agreement, and there were a lot of questions and, and information gathering from the MEC for that. Then we discussed the survey that just went out to uh, drill down on some finer points for final negotiations. And then the negotiating committee, line by line, walked the MEC through the entire proposal and there were, of course, days of questions and debate regarding uh, what we have in there and what might need to be changed. And then we uh, facilitated a conversation between the MEC to lead to a consensus and a, ultimately a unanimous vote uh, to give direction to the committee 
uh, regarding the final proposal language. Some of the questions weren't easy. Uh, some of them were uh, uh, so de not divisive, but uh, debatable that we broke out special committees, delegate committees, if you will, to handle certain specific issues and come up with uh, uh, a recommendation for the MEC as a whole to give to the negotiating committee. But this process, it was a three-day scheduled meeting that turned into four long, very hard days. But the MEC did good work and necessary work that I think uh, has us a good proposal. Yeah, that's an excellent uh, recap, I think, of the four days we spent with the MEC. Uh, and uh, it speaks to how valuable the survey information is. You know, oftentimes, you know, we do an initial survey that's very broad, asks a lot of questions, and ages over time. And uh, we need to track uh, how pilots are viewing the world. Even a few months later, uh, viewpoints change. And, and also, uh, as we dive down into these topic areas, uh, different solutions emerge that can accomplish the goals that pilots have stated that they that they would like to see in a new agreement. So uh, that survey information in conjunction with local direction that the different councils may have received uh, was critical to helping the MEC um, you know, form an opinion and eventually give us direction for how to proceed. So Phil, the negotiating committee is obviously an integral part of an MEC meeting like this. Um, can you tell me the process that the MEC uses ultimately, to give you the negotiating committee direction? Uh, sure. Um, I, I actually think Garth described it uh, uh, really well. That's that's generally how the process works, even during other times of the year. That last meeting that, uh, that he just described was very specific for our purposes, but even in a normal quarterly meeting, um, there's a portion of time uh, that is focused on uh, crafting and providing direction to the uh, negotiating committee. And that happens even uh, in between contract cycles. So typically... It is a local council that has either solicited or received a direction or a request for a change or whatever it might be from their local membership. Those are brought to the MEC in resolution form, discussed, debated, and uh, crafted eventually into direction to specifically to the negotiating committee if it's a, a contractual item that requires a change. Oftentimes, it might be just direction to another committee uh, when we're doing something more like this project, where now we're also uh, engaged as subject matter experts to look at not only our contract, but another solution set, for instance, specifically in this case, the Delta tentative agreement. Now we're brought into that loop as well. And the MEC, using what they know from their local councils and from the surveys, can also craft um, uh, direction based upon the information that we provide them on new solutions to solve the same problems, perhaps, or, or even our own problems that another pilot group might have enacted or implemented. So that's the difference maybe between how this last meeting went and how typical negotiations direction is crafted, but the result is the same. Yeah. So many, many of our pilots may not understand that the MEC chair sits on the United Airlines uh, Board of Directors. Have you had a chance to talk to Scott Kirby? And specifically, if you have had a chance to talk to him, what have you talked to him about in regards to a industry-leading contract? Uh, we haven't met in person yet, but we did speak on the phone. It was a you know cordial get-to-know-you conversation, but I did have the opportunity to discuss the upcoming negotiations. Uh, Mr. Kirby did state his intent to complete a deal in, in short order, and we've all heard his words around the crew rooms and to pilot meetings that that he thinks it can be done rather quickly. But I 
explain to Mr. Kirby that our proposal will have depth, it will be comprehensive, and it will require a lot of work at the table. And I expect that subject matter experts and decision makers will be made available for this process to proceed quickly. And he did state that he would be the decision maker and that all subject matter experts would be uh, readily available to do the work quickly. Okay, so Phil, you're meeting with the company for the next two weeks. And Garth has said there will be subject matter experts from their side available. Can I assume that we'll have subject matter experts and decision makers in the room for the discussions that you'll be having with the company? Uh, you may assume that. So that's a very typical part of negotiations as well, especially if we embark upon a phase of what we would call intensive negotiations. So we've set aside this two-week period to work through our comprehensive proposal that, that by the time any, everybody hears this will be in the company's hands. So we will have subject matter experts in scheduling, retirement insurance benefits, other areas of the contract uh, ready and able to discuss details of those proposals uh, with their company counterparts. Um, and and we've been assured by our company negotiators across the table from us that uh, they will have those people available for for our people to have those conversations. That's a necessary part of making uh, expeditious progress um, and and why we've set aside this two weeks to focus on uh, on that. So we've gotten, the local councils have gotten a lot of feedback from the pilots saying they want a deal now. We want a deal now. Is it realistic to expect that we can reach an agreement in March? Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely understand that sentiment, right? We've been, we've been waiting a while seemingly, and we've been waiting for the company to engage us uh, meaningfully for a while. And uh, this is the best way to describe it is that we are bringing all of our resources to bear to be able to make that happen. So this, uh, this two weeks of intensive negotiations is intended to get through that comprehensive proposal as expeditiously as possible. Undoubtedly, our company counterparts will have questions. That's why we have the SME teams, the subject matter experts, um, scheduled to be able to meet with each other during that time frame. And the goal is absolutely to uh, leave that two-week period as close as possible to a tentative agreement. Realistically, I can't speak for how prepared the company will be to agree to everything that's in our proposal. Um, however, I can say with a complete certainty that we will have the resources to be able to uh, conclude that deal quickly, get the tentative uh, agreement final language done as expeditiously as possible and in front of the MEC and our pilot group uh, in the weeks ahead. So Garth, what is your goal with regards to positive change within the United Pilot Group? You know, as far as a chair of the MEC, I want to be a facilitator of good work in representation, uh, someone who can facilitate consensus building and unity at the table, a shared purpose, if you will. With the pilot group, uh, I want to build trust. I want to create more transparency and have the pilot group be able to observe their union and understand where we're going and what we're doing on a specific uh, level. And I, I think that will in itself breed unity. Uh, not that we'll agree on every issue. That's not what we're about. We're a democratic organization, and we will have disagreements, but we do have shared purpose, and that's where unity comes from. Okay. With, with regards to transparency, as we go through the negotiating process now, um, the previous process felt like a little bit of a door pop to the pilot group. So as we go through this process now, how transparent will you be able to be 
with regards to negotiations, um, not only on a general level, but on a more specific level. Yeah, as far as exact specifics regarding our negotiating goals and proposals, that by necessity needs to be close to the vest until we start reaching agreements. But through the process, I think we can be much more transparent than we have in the past. We Certainly, the pilots will know when we've slid a, a proposal across the table. They'll know when we are having discussions with the company and what we're talking about. And also a, a bit of a heat index as well as far as how are we proceeding? Is it going well? Is it not going well? Uh, what issues have been resolved and what have yet to come? And is this heading in a good direction or a bad direction? But ultimately, when we have a tentative agreement, we can also be much more transparent in the process of education and and uh, input for the pilot group very early on. The Delta pilots put the tentative agreement out right when the MEC saw it. And, and I think that's a much better way of doing business than we have in the past, where the, the MEC approves an agreement and sends it out and then the pilots find out what's in it. So I envision that, at least while I'm MEC chair, that when we have a tentative agreement or an agreement in principle, we'll share as much information as we can as early as we can. So the pilots have a chance to provide input even prior to an MEC vote. Garth, how do you anticipate the education effort to go once we do get a tentative agreement? Along the lines of education of a tentative agreement, Uh, We've already had a lot of discussions among our team of maniacal, unbiased education, and and we intend to pursue it that way. When we have a tentative agreement and the pilots have a decision to make, we will do everything we can to ensure that the education effort is not perceived as a sales job. It is just the facts, and it's unbiased. Phil, what does the next 30 days look like for the negotiating committee? By the time this podcast airs, uh, we will have passed our comprehensive proposal to the company, and we expect a period of a couple of weeks of intensive negotiations to follow that. There's a lot to go over in explaining the comprehensive proposal, in getting the groups of subject matter experts together to discuss its various elements, the various areas of our uh, United Pilot Agreement that are affected by it, and um, enabling the company to make a meaningful counter to our proposal. The better a job we do with that, the the more expeditious our negotiations are going to be, and and you know we we uh, share that goal with uh, with our pilot group. Um, following that two weeks, um, we would anticipate that we'll continue to meet with the company once we've narrowed down the areas that still need further work, and we'll be working towards we'll be ready to work towards uh, crafting the uh, final language that would be associated with a tentative agreement. Now, I can't speak for the company being prepared to be that far along after a couple of weeks, but we are definitely bringing our team and the resources fully to bear to, uh, to achieve that goal over the next 30 days. Okay, so the process uh, to getting to like a final language tentative agreement uh, first goes through an agreement in principle um, that then goes to final language. What do you anticipate the time frame to be between that agreement in principle and having final language for the pilot group to be able to look at? So one of our focus items uh, all along, uh, so all, all during the, the last few months leading up to where we are today, has been to work on the language as we go. So areas where we're already in agreement with, uh, with the company, um, for the most part, have the final language already done. 
Now, in this intensive two-week process that we'll be in, it might be a little tougher to have everything happen uh, concurrently. Uh, you know, we'll have a lot of information going back and forth. However, having said that, that is still our ongoing focus is to not wait until the end to craft that final language, but to be working on it as we go along so that when we do reach that agreement in principle, as you mentioned, we don't have a big gap in time uh, between the announcing, the announcement of an agreement in principle and the release of a final language tentative agreement. Um, there'll be of necessity some time to get everything in order. We're certainly not going to rush final language and risk making mistakes or, or forgetting something. Um, we want to do the best product possible, but we're trying to take steps now to expedite that time frame that it typically takes, you know, that typical month or two at times and with a big agreement that it can take to get from an AIP to final language. We would like it to be days, ideally. Garth, you anticipate the MEC will share an executive summary prior to um, sharing the full tentative agreement language? I do. In the interest of transparency, I think we, at every opportunity, uh, should share what we have and what we can. Uh, when we have an agreement in principle, obviously we don't have final language yet for the MEC to debate and divulge or, or uh, approve, but we do have some highlights that we can pass on to the pilots of what to expect. Uh, you know, highlights certainly regarding uh, things that we've improved upon, vacation, work rules, pay, and some of those uh, bits of information we can put out there uh, early on in the process. That said, I, I hope that the pilots would reserve judgment uh, to, until they see the tentative agreement and get fully educated on uh, what's in that tentative agreement prior to having a, a, a final opinion on it. Phil, what can the pilot group do to help the negotiating committee as you're in meetings with the company and as you're progressing towards a final agreement? So, uh, so Dave, so it is palpable. It is, it is clearly evident when we're at the table and the company knows the pilot group is behind us. Um, when they have any doubt that the pilot group is behind us, there's just a difference in tone. It's kind of hard to tell you specifically what somebody might say to indicate that, but, but everybody feels it and gets it. So first of all, we're extremely grateful to the pilot group for the participation and enthusiasm uh, that they do uh, show. Uh, filling out the surveys, uh, especially with a high rate of response, um, attending uh, family awareness events, anything they can do to stay engaged. And for those that haven't had the ability to be engaged, please consider doing so. That, that type of involvement, that type of excitement um, speaks volumes that, uh, to the company when we go to the table. Garth, I'll ask you the same question. How can the pilot group be supportive of the MEC or help the MEC um, as we work towards this final agreement? Well, the short answer is to keep it up. Uh, during you know, tough times throughout 30 years of being here, I've noticed that the pilot group is at its best when we've faced times of adversity. And certainly we've had plenty of that in the last few years. And we've had a lot of upheaval, frankly, within the union and a lot of change in leadership. But the good part of that is that I sense a high level of engagement in the interest right now. So keep it up. The pilot group uh, is paying attention. We're getting a lot of input. We're getting a lot of uh, a direction. I think the company understands that the pilot group has given a mandate to their leadership and that they're behind the leadership. And that's strength. You know, that gives us a lot of leverage. Garth, I've noticed through our discussion today that you seem to have a leadership philosophy. Could you break down that philosophy um, and share it with the pilots? Yeah, sure. The first thing that comes to mind 
regards representation and the MEC. And I, as a leader of, of that group, I want to keep everybody focused on the fact that we do have a shared purpose. And everybody there, frankly, has come to the table with the intent of representing the pilot group to the best of their abilities. And so long as we keep focused on issues and on that pure fact, I think we can put out great work. And, they, and the MEC has been uh, operating very well since I've been MEC chair, and I want to foster that to continue. My primary goal as a representative is to be as transparent as possible with the pilots. I believe you improve upon that, you also build trust. You build trust, then you build ownership in the process. I want us all to have shared purpose, a shared sense of belonging, and that the pilot group feels like they're not just along for the ride, but they are actually driving the ride. All right. Thank you, Garth. And thank you, Phil. I appreciate you joining us on the, from the Flight Deck podcast today. Anytime. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for joining us today on the Flight Deck, a leading edge podcast. If you haven't had a chance to fill out the MEC survey, please take the time to do so. As always, please remain informed and engaged. I'm Dave Allen. We'll see you next time.